Hey there, welcome to MVP Podcast. This is our first live episode where we showcase leaders who live through their mission, vision, and passion to drive their growth, profits, and loyalty. I'm gonna take just a minute to thank several people. Um, first of all, I wanna thank 5D Show Services. I've worked with Danny Kent over there, thank you, for over 15 years. He and his teams have done a phenomenal job providing the best service and support for trade shows and events. 5D produced the signs that you see today. And if you want to talk to them about your event or trade show, you can just find Danny right there or you can go to 5dshowservices.com. That's number 5dshowservices.com. I also want to thank Wimberly Films. Uh, Chris Green over here behind this camera. You'll see him blurring around because he's uh, everywhere with the cameras. Chris is a phenomenal storyteller. Uh, Wimberly Films is a husband and wife team that loves the art of filmmaking. With over 20 years of experience capturing the magic of life, they transform moments and memories into tangible treasures. Their work is phenomenal. If you want to um, see their work or uh, look them up, you can capture Chris's attention before you leave, or um, you can go to wimberlyfilms.com or find them on Facebook. The audio is a little hard if you're sitting in the back. There's some seats in the front if you want to come up here. I also want to take a few minutes to thank um, the folks who have already given their time to uh, be interviewed. Letty Sanchez is here today, as well as Michael Krent, who just sat up front. Thank you both and, and thank you to everyone else who's shared their time uh, and their stories with me. Uh, and if you want to hear those stories, be sure to subscribe to MVP Business. You can find it now on almost all podcast applications. I know Mike subscribed today. Thank you for that. And I want to send the biggest thank you to my husband back there, Andrew Silver, for all of his support and love and belief in everything that, all the crazy stuff I've done in the last year and a half and forever. <laughs> so, thank you. So my mission with MVP Business is to share the strengths and struggles of leaders who have grown their businesses while staying true to their mission and their vision so that other entrepreneurs can, uh, can follow, knowing that the path isn't easy Sometimes it's fun, sometimes it's not. <laughs> but the journey is worth it. So on that note, everybody, this is uh, Mike Ripka, one of the founders of Torchy's Tacos, our host today. So thank you so much. Good to see you. Good to see you too, yeah. thank you. So let's start at the beginning. Tell me a little bit about life before Torchies. Have you always been passionate about damn good tacos? <laughs> good question. Uh, yeah, I, well, I have, I've been in the food business for a long time. Um, I started my first job, I was a fry cook at Popeye's Fried Chicken. Uh, I came from a divorced family, and uh, if I wanted spending cash, I was going to have to go out and earn it myself. And so uh, I got a job at Popeye's and started frying chicken. Um, kind of worked my way up, was a busser, uh, little line cook, and really kind of fell in love with food uh, when I went to work at a country club in Springfield, Virginia. Uh, I was born in Richmond and grew up just outside of D.C. in Northern Virginia. And uh, 
really that's where I kind of fell in love with food. Uh, but restaurants are hard. They're hard, very hard business. A lot of nights, a lot of weekends, a lot of just, you know, working your butt off. A lot of hours. And, um, you know, when everyone else is playing, we're working. And so... I wasn't quite sure that that's what I really wanted to do for a career. I loved it. Uh, so I went to college to go be a, a counselor. Uh, I was going to get into like social work and helping people. I love to help people. And um, about halfway through my first semester, I literally woke up in the middle of the night and had this sort of epiphany of like, you know, dude, what the hell are you doing? You should be a chef. Like, that's what you do. Why are you doing this to yourself? And so um, I really uh, I couldn't go back to sleep. I'd, I'd looked at some culinary schools at my high school when they did one of those career days and um, woke up the next morning and was like, you know, Mom, I'm dropping out of school. And she's like, oh, hell no, you're not. And, uh, and so uh, we talked about it. She said, look finish the semester let's go look at some culinary schools and we'll see you know what it is and she she was a journalist so she knows about hard work and working lots of hours and working weird hours uh, especially in the journalism business and um, I think there was you know I think every mom or dad has sort of a dream of what they think their kids should be or not be and I think that's a, always a changing moment when you have to let go of that and so she did a good job of that and so I went off to culinary school and um, worked everywhere I could and uh, became a chef by trade and uh, just worked all over the place. I was a chef at the World Bank. I was a chef for MTV, Disney Animation. Um, I was a chef at Enron. We all know how that ended. Um, that's what actually got me to Austin. Um, and uh, the company I'd worked for uh, was called Sodexo um, and the client was Enron and so they got me a job in Austin at uh, Dell Computers so I ran all the food service there and uh, and then yeah did one other stint uh, for the Chewy's group they had a restaurant called Lucy's Boatyard on Lake Austin mm -hmm. and I helped develop that menu um, some of y'all might remember the seven up rolls I came up with those um, and uh, now anyway so then and then I just was like you know okay it's time I'm ready to do my own thing, and August 1st of 2006, I opened Torchies. Nice. So what made you decide to do it the way you did it? Because you started uh, a, with a little truck instead of, and this was before, that's what everybody was doing. I didn't have much of a choice, to be honest with you. Um, you know, at the time, uh, and even today, you know, banks, unless you know someone who has money, or you've got family that's got money, especially in the restaurant business, you know, a good idea, you know, pretty much gets you a good luck, and that's about it. And um, so banks were not going to just, you know, and opening a restaurant's expensive. Um, I didn't necessarily want to start in a trailer. I would have preferred to have a brick-and-mortar spot. Um, but, you know, to open that's a couple hundred thousand to a million dollars to two million dollars, depending on kind of what you do and how, you, how big you make it. And so that just wasn't in my wheelhouse for anything I had access to. And so I took a loan out on my house and maxed out my credit cards. And uh, my original business partner, he actually um, had gotten our first trailer. It used to be a barbecue trailer that used to do festivals. And so um, 
he had that, but it still needed a lot of work. He was trying to fix it up and sell it. Nobody wanted to buy it because trailers and food trucks weren't the cool thing back then. And so we teamed up together and, um, you know, it was time I was, I was single, no kids. And I was like, if I'm going to do it now, I want to, you know, put all this hard work in now and I don't have other responsibilities to worry about. Yeah. So that was going to be my next question. How did your family react? So you didn't have a wife to say, oh, heck no, you're not doing that. No, (laughs) no. But what about, what about your mom or the rest of your family? Did they think you'd lost your mind? Um, not so much. I mean, she did kind of say, a food trailer? What? Like, now explain that to me. What are you talking like, about? You, you have this great job. Yeah, you've got this long <laughs> career being a chef, and you're still moving up the ladder. Like, you know, why would you risk that? And I got more crap from my friends. Um, and they were all just like, dude, are you crazy? Like, why are you doing this? And, um, and they just couldn't fathom that. And you got to remember that, like, you know, Food trucks and trailers, they weren't the cool, hip thing. I mean, we, we were one of the first, you know, like you see now. I mean, they had them in, in festivals. They had them, you know, in construction sites. But that was it, you know. And so, um, but I really believed in what I was doing. And I knew that, like, yeah, I got to start somewhere. I can't let the fact that I'm opening in a food trailer stop me from like following my dream and my passion so i'm like the plan was always to go from a trailer to a brick and mortar and so i'm like this is a way i can start maybe i can do enough business in this that a bank will finally come to me and say okay we'll give you that money for you know your next uh your next spot you've proven your way so i remember the the first trailer and I, I we were talking earlier that I uh, remember you bringing tacos to the Chamber of Commerce at 630 in the morning yep, yep. <laughs> personally there making sure they were hot and good damn good um, <laughs> uh, so I, I assume that that's part of you know your your dedication to the product and to um, you know just working really hard as a part of your success but how did you go about getting new customers and um, and staying true to that idea of this is all going to work out because I'm going to have a brick and mortar. So I didn't, you know, I didn't know when and where that would happen, but obviously I needed, you know, to pay the bills and keep the lights on and really, you know, I mean, I wasn't even worried about making money at that point. I was just trying to stop losing money. Um, and so... We, you know, and I, I, think, I think what helped me, a lot of people would look at it as a weakness. Like, I didn't have a business plan. I didn't have, you know, this long, you know, filtered out P&L for the next two years and what business is going to look like. I really, I just, I was passionate about my product and I, I knew that um, if I could get people to try it, they would hopefully come back. And so um, I had a red Vespa and um, that I'd gotten as kind of a little toy to tool around town and have fun with. And that became kind of the backbone of Torchies in the early days. And um, so I put a little basket on the back and I'd load it up with chips and salsa and I'd go give them to anybody. I didn't care who you were. I'd go to the hair salons, I'd go to the doctor's offices, I'd go to the car dealerships. I'd go stand on the corner and throw them in people's cars if I had to. Um, I didn't really, you know, I just, I just was, 
I was kind of fierce about it, and I had to be because literally, like, what I made at lunch business depended on what I could buy for night to sell at night, and that was it was like that very much in the beginning. So I was all in. You were. <laughs> I yeah, was all yeah, in. I remember those times. So uh, was there ever a time where you felt like everything was just gonna be is just going completely off the rails? And what have I done? Or has it? felt pretty comfortable. I had those feelings daily. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think, you know, the, the, the good news is, is I had some very supportive friends um, who I'd call and check in with. And I knew I had a good product. And I was proud of that. Um, it was just how was I going to get people and convince them to come and keep coming back. And you know, we did everything from, uh, you know, doing a pumpkin patch and uh, selling pumpkins to try and get people to come try tacos. And, and I think um, the main thing that, uh, that kept me going was, you know, there'd be one little catering that would come up, you know, like the riverboats on Lake Austin would call me and say, hey, can you do fajitas for 50 people? Or some office would say, hey, we need 20 breakfast tacos. And it'd be just enough to kind of like pay that next bill, pay that next employee check. And, um, you know, I wasn't getting a check, but I was at least trying to keep everybody else, you know, happy as I could be. With all of that, you weren't, you weren't getting a check. How long did you go before you paid yourself? Probably two years. Two years? How did you pay your mortgage back? I got lots of phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> lots of phone calls. Yeah, so you knew that your tacos were really good. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so that's a lot of dedication to your product. Um, have you ever felt like you've strayed from your original thoughts of what, what tortillas should be? So it's evolved a little bit. I mean... It, one challenge we sort of had um, in the beginning was, you know, we had the feel and look of the trailer, and then how do you translate that into a restaurant and a brick and mortar and sort of have that feel? And it's, it's evolved over time. Um, You've gotten fancy. We have gotten a little <laughs> fancy, yes. Uh, well, we, we do, we have fancy food, you know. Yeah. It's, it's straightforward, but it's pretty fancy. Uh, everything's prepared in-house, made from scratch, in every restaurant, and uh, there's not a lot of, you know, people in this segment that are doing that. A lot of people are dumping it out of a bottle, taking it out of a box, and uh, we, we don't really do it that way. So um, I think that the, you know, the challenging thing was, that was one of the more challenging things, was really trying to figure out how that would look and feel, but it's... We've stayed pretty damn true to my original ideas. So one of the things that you mentioned when we spoke on the phone a couple weeks ago was uh, non-negotiables. Yes. How did you come up with your non-negotiables and how do you translate that uh, and keep it going as you grow from location to location to location? Well, one of our, one of our biggest ones is uh, you know, so we, we have uh, some acronyms in the company that we call TORCH, and that stands for tenacity, originality, respect, community, and honor. 
And those are some of our sort of guiding lights that we, that we use. Probably our biggest one has to do with our food. And uh, one of the things that, you know, that we sort of beat into a new employee's head is if it's not damn good, don't serve it. And um, I literally, myself, and I talk to our folks that aren't in the restaurants and even in the restaurants to find ways, look for things that aren't right to throw away. And that sounds like a wasteful, horrible thing to do, but what it does is it keeps yourself to a standard. You know, you guys notice in our logo, it says damn good. And that was actually came up from our customers. And so uh, our customers early on would say, damn, these tacos are good. Damn, these tacos are good. And we decided to add that to our logo. And that would, you know, really keep us to a standard of, you know, hey, look, if we're going to say this, we better deliver. Like, and that takes a lot of work to deliver that. And so I think... I think that's been a big guiding principle for our folks and and people are really bought into that in our company thank God so that's awesome so I love the idea of asking your employees to look for things to throw away that empowers them to to take it to another level that most businesses um, wouldn't take it to or maybe they say it but they it's uh, it's not necessarily something that people feel comfortable with well my explanation is like if you you know, if you get in a, let's say a bad case of tomatoes and they're green and not ripe and, you know, the quality on them is bad or they're way too mushy, it's a lot easier to tell a customer, hey, you know what? We weren't happy with our tomatoes today. I'm sorry our tacos don't have pico de gallo. You know, we're working on getting some more, you know, but today we don't have that. Can I get you something else? You know, right. that's way easier than... Trying to pass off some bad Yeah, give them some crap. You know, you bite into it and it's like, oh, that tastes horrible, you know? Like, that, that's, you know, and, and honestly, like, the other thing we really talk about is, you know, our customers are extended family. They're like your aunts, your uncles, your cousins, your grandparents that come over. Like, when you set your table for Thanksgiving dinner, do you go out and get crappy china or... The, the horrible turkey, you know, you go and find the great turkey, you go and find, you know, great food and you serve it to them and you welcome them in and you treat them like your extended family and, and take good care of them, so. Yeah, for Thanksgiving and those holidays, you find the best ingredients. Yes, so and we try to do, do that every day. every day here. That's awesome. That's really great. So have there been any concessions that you've made in your values that, that didn't turn out right? Anywhere along the road? Word that, so any concept, word that a little bit better. Okay, little so confused. have there, you've been in business for quite a few years now. So yeah. have there been any times where uh, a chef or an employee or one of your um, uh, partners has said, let's do this other thing, and you weren't really sure about it, but you did it and it didn't work out, or have you been pretty straight and true? Uh, I'm, I can't think of one exactly. I mean, we've definitely tried things that maybe haven't worked out. Um, we tried to open a burger place way back in 2008, and that didn't work out. No. Um, <laughs> uh, and it, you know, I think it could have worked out, but we, you know, we realized that Torches was much more of a that's this is what was working. Let's okay. keep doing that. Stick with it. Um, I think. Uh, 
you know, one thing that's been really good, so I have, I have five original partners, and we've always um, worked very democratically in terms, it's not, you know, this is the Mike Ripka show, and you guys need to listen to me. It's all about partnership, and everyone has a voice, and really talking that all the way through until we're all bought into it. Mm -hmm. So I think we've avoided a lot of those pitfalls of really you know sort of shoving any one idea now do we get passionate about it if i beat my fist on the table a couple times about something that i'm passionate about yes but at the end of the day like we've all respected and loved each other enough to like you know sort of get on the other side of that and come up with what the group wants because if if you got three people that are totally against something that two people are really want to do it's not it's just not even going to work even if it's the best idea in the world, it's not going to work. So yeah. So we we were talking earlier about getting employee buy-in. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that? About the the process that you went through to was it a rebrand or messaging or what was that process about? So we um, there's always just sort of been this family atmosphere even since the day we started, um, and I think that helped a lot in the early days of, of us being in business and you know as you expand as you grow as you get more employees as you get to different areas you start to realize that like you know hey the line cook in Oklahoma he doesn't necessarily get the feel of what it's like to be in Austin you know at the first or second torches right like he doesn't have that same history and we realized that we needed to be a little more purposeful around that so you know I spoke a little earlier about torch you know and so we came up with that we came up with our mission which is to be damn good and so we kind of formalize that a little more and you know we start all our meetings off with those things we talk about them a lot they're in a lot of our literature we've invested a ton in training and um, everyone that starts with us goes through just a ton of training uh, like if we'll hire a new manager that's going to open a store in, say, Colorado, they, you know, they might come and work in Austin for a while before they go back to their home store. We'll, we'll get them to open some new stores before they open their own store. And so, you know, we'll invest, you know, nine months to even a year in somebody before they're even on the ground on their own at some point. So, and that varies per position, but especially on the management side. Absolutely. So what has been your biggest struggle in taking torches outside of Austin? Uh, I think uh, probably the biggest struggle, you know, luckily, knock on wood, I'm going to do that. It's probably not great for the podcast, sorry. Yeah. But um, I, uh, we, we've been very consistent with our food. Um, you know, probably the biggest structure or struggle is... Uh, it's always it's people, right? We're in a people business. We deal with people. You employ people. And everybody has a bad day from time to time. People come in with their own ideas, their own thoughts, their own histories about, you know, where they come from and, and what they bring to the table. And so um, that's, that's been a struggle in terms of, you know, finding the right people in the right spots, you know. And sometimes you get someone great but maybe they're not in the best spot. Like they'd be better in a different spot where they could succeed better. So 
um, you know, that's, that's tricky. One, one of the things that um, we call it the El Paso test, and I say when you're hiring somebody, think about, you know, is this someone you would love to drive to El Paso and back with, you know? <laughs> if you can't check that box, they're probably not someone you really want to work with, you know? Yeah. So. Well, because you'll get, you might get two or three applicants and they all have the same experience, but at the end of the day, you want to, you're, you're, you're at your job way longer than you are at home. Do you really get along with this person? Do you want to spend time with them? Do you want to, you know, spend your days with them? So you've put a lot in place to um, make sure that your employees know what, what you're all about, what you're trying to do. Um, do you have uh, a feeling that after they've been here for a long time that, that, they, um, that they believe it and that they, they're bought in? And what about your vendors? Do you think they feel like they, do you feel like they understand what you're trying to achieve? Yeah, I, I believe so. I think, um, you know, they, so one of my other main things with starting my business was I really wanted to provide opportunities for people. And, um, you know, I didn't know at that time at the level I've been able to actually do that for folks because it's been, I've had people that are, were cashiers, busters, cooks that are managing their own restaurants now. Some of them are managing multiple restaurants and having different careers at the corporate office or in training and all these other places. And so that's been really awesome to watch them buy into that. And um, so I think we've done a good job of that. Um, and as far as our vendors, we actually uh, have a, what we call a vendor conference almost annually. And we invite all our vendors in. Uh, we talk to them about where we're at, where we're going, why we're going there. Uh, we have lots of, uh, you know, team calls with them around, you know, what we're looking for and why we're looking for it. And we, and we ask them for their help. So um, they feel like they're part of the process. You know, we get their feedback as well. So uh, is that something that you guys, you and your partners came up with on your own? Or did you learn about having a, a vendor conference um, from somewhere else you know honestly I don't um, really remember exactly whose idea was or why we started doing that we started doing that probably after we were in business for about four or five years before that we were small enough that it was just kind of daily weekly conversation with who we were working with anyways but as we expanded and you know, got different vendors for different things. Um, I think I think we sat around and just were like, hey, we need to get all these people together and we're about to open seven stores next year. Can they handle it? You know, that was the big thing. Like, you know, can, you know, the guys that supply our meat, can they get us enough meat? Can, you know, can we get enough cilantro? And so, um, yeah, I don't remember whose idea exactly that was, but it was kind of an organic thing. Like, it just felt like the right thing to do. That's great. I yeah. haven't heard of anyone doing that before. I think it's a phenomenal idea. It is a good idea. And, and what it does, when you think about it, you're, I mean, they're just as much a partner as your employees are. Yeah. So, you know, you're, they're, they're charging you for, you know, whatever you're buying from them. But at the end of the day, like, you know, if 
your coffee machine goes down or your margarita machine goes down, you, you want a good partner that, you know, has a relationship with, you can be like, hey, Bobby, man, help me out. And you want to be on the front of the list. Right. And you want to make sure that they're dedicated to really good products just like you are so that you don't, you're not delivered a truckload of rotten tomatoes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So how do you personally handle competition and robot blocks and how does that translate into the rest of the business? Um, competition wise, um, I mean, we look at what's out there. Um, I think I, I, we try not to pay attention to it too much because you can really you can really go down some rabbit holes when you do that. Um, and and I've, I've watched myself sort of start to go down those rabbit holes when you start getting worried about this taco place opening or that place or this place or, and really I have a strong belief that, you know, when you take care of your people and you serve damn good food and you have a clean restaurant and you treat your customers with respect, it's kind of hard to lose, you know? And so we really focus on that. Like, let's not worry about what they're doing down the street. Let's focus on, hey, did you have the best shift you can have? How were the mangoes when they came in? You know, are your temps right on your meats? Are you, you know, how's, how's your grill cook today? Was he happy? If not, why? Did you ask him? You know, um, and... You know, what are your customers saying about you today? Um, so those kind of things, and those, those really make, to me, that's where you put your focus than worrying about, you know, do you need to look at it and pay attention to it? Yes, but you can really go down some rabbit holes trying to like figure out how to, you know, how am I gonna position myself against this company or that company? It's, you know, it's do what you do and do the best you can and hopefully it works out. What about roadblocks? How do you handle roadblocks or um, what keeps you up at night? Are there any big uh, challenges that keep popping up for you? You know, at this point, I'm just sort of beat into submission. I've had every challenge you can have in a business, um, just financially and every. I, I really take things pretty lightly these days. Um, I think you just get... Do I get worked up sometimes? Yes. Um, what does that look like for you? What does that look like? <laughs> um, you probably have to ask my employees what that looks like because I don't always see that the, the, the best way. Um, I, you know, I, honestly, I don't stress too much about too many things. I, I, I saw real quick that we were that Torchy's was kind of a life of its own real soon after we opened up. And just our customers and kind of how diehard a lot of them are and just the response we were getting. And I knew that it was sort of bigger than me. And so my job was to just really massage it, take care of it, and, you know, just do my best and, and see where it goes. And so... You know, I don't, I don't worry about that much stuff, to be honest with you. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So, where do you go to find inspiration? I love to eat. 
Um, so you go I, to Torchy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I go, um, I travel a lot. I go to lots of different cities. Anywhere from, you know, Michelin star restaurants all the way down to, you know, food trucks, mom and pops, um, you know, hot dog carts, doesn't matter. I'll eat anything in between. And uh, I find a lot of my inspiration when I'm out visiting those places, whether it's a certain ingredient they've used or being in a, a, a new restaurant concept and seeing how their bars run or how they're doing, you know, service at a certain restaurant or maybe it's a design element that they used or a certain thing they use and um, those kind of spark ideas and uh, they help kind of fuel the engine to keep going. So, Is there a particular dining experience that stands out for you that's a, a favorite? Here in town? No. Just anywhere? I love me some Uchi. I don't know if I, yeah, I love me some Uchi. If anybody's been to Uchi, they do a really good job there. Um, I'm actually a good friend with Tyson and uh, just his creative, uh, you know, we think a lot alike, but I just, it's some of the best sushi I've had in the country, to be honest with you. And, and I love that as a cuisine. Uh, so that's one of my favorite places to go. Yeah, we love it too. It's always consistently yes. good. What are you most proud of? It doesn't have to be torches related. Uh, so I have a nine-year-old son. Um, I'm pretty proud of him. He's a great kid. Uh, I'm definitely proud of Torchies. I really uh, have done, it's way exceeded my sort of expectations or even dreams of where it's been. Um, you know, I, uh, I think probably personally I'm most proud of, um, you know, I used to struggle with alcohol and drugs and uh, I don't do that anymore. So I'm pretty proud of that. Um, and I wouldn't say that's all me uh, that does that. I needed a lot of help to get through that, but um, that's definitely been a big accomplishment in my life. And uh, so I got, I got lots to be proud of. Yeah, you do. Absolutely. So what would you, what advice would you have for someone that is getting ready to start their own business, something that they're passionate about? Well, you said it in the last words. The, the, the real thing, I, you know, you talk to a lot of people and they say they want to open a business. And if you listen carefully or intently, one of the, usually within five sentences, money comes up. And yes, we all need to make money. Yes, we all need to pay bills. But I've, I feel personal about that if you do something you're passionate about, then it won't matter the money you make or not make. And typically, if you're that passionate about it, the money will come eventually. And um, so that's, that's kind of my, my, my big thing. And the, the other thing is, is you know, if, if you wanna, let's say grandma's got a great cookie recipe and you wanna open a cookie restaurant, well, you might want to go work in some restaurants before you open your own cookie restaurant, you know. So that's another thing I'll say to people is that, you know, it's great to have that, but there's a lot of ins and outs in terms of, you know, owning your own business. Um, and, then, and then the last thing is 
hire people that um, that are better than you. You know, if you're really good at being a chef and you suck at accounting, well, don't try to do the accounting. Go hire a good accountant and let them do it. Something that they're passionate about. And so, um, you know, that's that's been kind of my motto. And I luckily, learned some of those things early on in my career. So, good, absolutely. Those are all my questions. Do you guys have any questions for Mike? Okay, so I mentioned earlier that if you have a question, I, I'm asking that you go back to the mic so that it can be picked up for our recording. I don't know how loud to be here. I'm a big fan of the Democrat. I have to know what is the metamorphosis of how you named your tacos? Say that one more time. How did you name your tacos? How did you go about coming up with the names of your tacos? Because everybody's got a fajita taco. What was the metamorphosis of your naming process? So, one thing... So, okay, we started at a time when, you know, there's tons of great taco places in Austin, all over Texas. Very competitive market. Um, and what I, what I found was, you know, if you said you were going to have a barbacoa taco, let's say, and I name it a barbacoa taco, well, your first thought of that is that barbacoa taco I had in Mexico City on the street corner that I don't care who makes it, that was the barbacoa taco, and you're never going to measure up. So that was, that was some of the premise for naming our tacos, sort of fun names. It, not only that, but they also have a lot of ingredients in them. And that's, that's the other thing is, you know, I can't, I'll kill my customers calling it, you know, the beef fajita with grilled onions and peppers and this and that and the other thing. So we kind of had to come up with a name for it. And so I would think about the uh, ingredients and, you know, wait for some inspiration and whatever that came. And I also put it to my employees and we'd think about it and say, well, what sort of embodies what's in this taco? And we'd come up with those names, so. It was Renee Sanchez, uh, is the, the Democrat taco. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and my second question is, now that you have all these stores and you travel around visiting, what's something that you see in one of your stores that would like get you hot? What's your like hot button issue that you look for every time you walk into a building? Uh, so mine is uh, if they're if they're batch cooking uh, fried stuff, you know, like we've got fried chicken and fried shrimp, um, things like that. It drives me nuts if I see, yeah, if they've got ten trailer parks, but there's only two tickets of trailer parks in the window. Why do you have all these trailer parks? That's a big that's a big hot button because really, once you cook food it starts to die. And so if you cook it way too ahead of time, the flavor profile and everything else just starts to deteriorate. So that's, that's all anybody, any of my guys will tell you, I've thrown a, a, a lot of fried food away in our kitchens. Um, and you know, it's hard, you get busy and you know, you don't want to beat up the cook. So it's my job to teach them, hey, this is how you can do it fresh. Here's some other shortcuts you can take that won't cost you the quality of the product, but you can do it this way and it'll help it out. To help. Hey, 
So you mentioned earlier on that one of the most challenging things for you is people, which I think it is for any small business. But um, how do you go about keeping your key employees and key top management motivated and excited about their business? And how has that changed from where you are now with multi-state, many, many stores, from where you were in your first brick and mortar, you know, very early on? So one of the ways we do that is, you know, I talked about opportunities. I think that when you're, if you're not a business that's growing, you're kind of regressing. Um, and I think that, you know, and the rate of growth, you can argue, yeah, everybody has their, their mind about that, but I think you do have to grow to a certain degree and most people want to work for a company that there's going to be opportunities for them. You know, is there a chance for me to earn more money? Is there a chance for me to uh, move up to a new position? Is there a chance for me to expand and learn and grow here that I can't do somewhere else? So we've been focused on that a lot. Um, another thing we do is we have a managing partner program in uh, our restaurants. So our, our people that manage our restaurants, the, our managing partner, they actually write us a check to come to work. And, uh, you know, how many people have you written a check to come to work? That's kind of a, you know, a lot to ask. But what happens is, is they, it's, it's kind of like an internal franchise system. So they actually get to share in the profits of that store. So that gets a lot of buy-in. It gets a lot of ownership. They also signed a three-year contract to that store. So we got them in that store for three years. They're locked in. They can really motivate their staff. They can get a good staff around them. And uh, that really helps with uh, getting people bought in and, and buying into it. You mentioned also the uh, meetings that you have uh, that you, you that help to inspire and keep people engaged. Can you talk a little bit about that? Are they daily or weekly? Yeah, I mean, we've got, you know, like any organization, we've got meetings for days, um, <laughs> you know. And, uh, but they're, they're really, um, you know, we do, uh, you know, we'll do like little state of the unions where we get everybody in the office. We have a, a, like a newsletter that goes out on a weekly basis that communicates, hey, this is what we're working on. This is where we're at. There's also a real good avenue within the different teams of, you know, if somebody has an issue or they've got an idea, like there's a format for them to present those things and talk about those things. And so I think we've done, I mean, we can always do better and we're, you know, we're still always learning of how you can do that better and get more efficient at it. Um, but I think we do a pretty damn good job of like being able to let people have a voice a lot of give and take, a lot of communication back and forth. That's awesome. Any other questions? I'm an entrepreneur, and when I started my business, I got the advice of some business people that I thought were a lot smarter than I am. And one question they asked me was a very aggravating question, so I want to ask you the same aggravating question. What's your exit strategy? What's next for uh, Mike? What's next for Mike? Oh, geez. Um, I don't know, to be honest with you. Um, 
I haven't really thought that far. I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm doing, and uh, I'm pretty young, you know, and, uh, you know, I don't know. I really don't know. How many restaurants do you have now? We have uh, 74. 74? Yep. And he says that he doesn't have high stress. <laughs> you hire people that are better than you, darling. That blows me away. <laughs> so you've created a phenomenal business. Thank you so much for sharing all of this with us. Um, is there anything, any golden nuggets we didn't pull out? I don't know. No, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. And thank you guys for coming. I appreciate it.